0: The rational bit of my brain knows <clears throat> that he won't come near me, but that doesn't stop it being a bit.
1: Will we
2: take two steps forward? We will
0: not. No. <laughs> no.
2: There he is. Just went over the oil tank.
1: He's getting lower. He can sense my fear. There he it is. It is. No. <laughs> I expect to hear like the Jaws theme tune or something. It just keeps getting lower but and lower. But do you not
2: get safety in the knowledge that he hasn't once banged into you yet? Oh, there he is. Janelle was very close.
1: That one was, <laughs> that one was very close. What was. I
2: like the best at this time of night, you can see the shape of it. I know this sounds crazy, but when you, when you see its silhouette against the slightly light sky still, it looks like a bat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it does like if
3: you were to draw a bat, that's, you what
2: draw you a would, bat that's, that's exactly it would say, yeah. what, it, that's what it would look like. <laughs> it does.
4: A suburban garden on the outskirts of Belfast City. <laughs> <I'm grand here. laughs> Laura and Jimmy are enjoying the aerial acrobatics of their nocturnal neighbours.
2: So we're in our back garden and, you know, we're in the middle of suburbia, the first thing I should say, we're absolutely surrounded by lots and lots and lots of housing, we're really lucky we have a little stream that makes it very picturesque I think somewhere, you know, 200 yards up the road there probably is a spring feeding it but actually it's mainly just runoff from the streets and from, you know, uh, the, the drains and whatever else but there is a stream and because there's water, there's life and there's trees that run along the stream as well so there's plenty of cover and as you'll just see above there's a huge swarm of flies so I presume that's kind of maybe what attracts the bats here they tend to do a circuit they'll come down here round the back of those trees and then up between, to the side of the house, we've got a row of trees, there's cherry blossom and a couple of apple trees and plum trees. And they run along there, round the back of the other houses, loop back round, have a feed and do that all night.
4: Bats in and around the home wasn't always a welcome sight. For a long time, bats had a bad reputation. Bloodsuckers, Hair grabbers and disease carriers. These were just some of the beliefs that existed for centuries. But why? Maybe it had something to do with this.
5: Good evening. Dracula speaking. Can't Dracula do not switch off, don't even try. You cannot, even if you wish to. Don't close the window. I can get to you anyway.
4: A prominent part of modern folklore about bats imagines them as the transformed bodies or souls of dead people who are not at peace and who prowl the night, sucking the blood of human victims vampires. Irishman Bram Stoker wrote the novel Dracula in the 1890s. It tells the story of a Transylvanian vampire feeding on the blood of innocent people.
5: Well, Count Dracula is a creature created in Bram Stoker's imagination. He's a vampire that is eternal, immortal, but he must have human blood to survive. Now, he's not a bat himself. No, the vampire is not a bat and there's confusion here. At this stage, he's synonymous with the bat. Dennis McIntyre is director of the Stoker Dracula International Organisation. If you know the Dracula story well, the only reason the bat comes into it is that when Dracula is in danger, he can change himself into another form. and He, for, he uses the form, for, say, for example, a dog, a wolf and a bat. And he first appears in the story when Jonathan uh, Harker is trapped upstairs in Count Dracula's castle. And he looks out the window. The castle is many, many stories high. And down below him, he sees Count Dracula. He doesn't realise it's the Count first. Crawling out of a window, bat-like, with his arms stretched out like wings. And he crawls along, clawing onto the surface of the castle with with bat-like toes and, and fingers. And that's where the bat enters the story. Now, it has no relevance, really, in the overall Dracula story. It's for disguise. When he's in trouble, he changes. And that's a feature, if you know old Irish mythology, that appears again and again and again in Coo stories and the Red Branch stories. And Bram Stoker borrowed that from Irish mythology. But it's left a
4: lasting impression on people, particularly people here in Ireland, about bats. And they
5: have a bad feeling about bats because of that. They have a very bad feeling about bats. And Bram Stoker gets the blame for that. But the truth is, the reality is, that the bat was a hated creature centuries before Bram Stoker was born. Because the bat is disliked, first of all, for his appearance. He looks something like a rat. Not a very nice looking creature, really. And also because he's he's a nocturnal creature, only comes out at night. And also, the bat is quite blind, and when he flies about at night, he depends on sound, as distinct from sight, for flying safely. And people think he's flying at them. Whereas with his way of flying, he gets a sound off a human as he would a wall or something else to direct him. So he's not flying at you. In fact, the bat is one of the most innocent, innocuous creatures on earth. So it's the nocturnal bit and the fact of his looks and where he lives, them three things, that makes him a, you know, a hated species, which is wrong, really.
4: Thankfully, all the bats in Ireland are insectivorous. Out of over 1,400 species of bats worldwide, Only three feed on blood, and these are found in South America. But what exactly is a bat?
6: A bat is a mammal, so like humans, it gives birth to live young, it doesn't lay eggs, it's got a fur-covered body, it's warm-blooded, but unlike the other mammals, it's capable of true, powered flight.
4: So bats, like humans, are mammals. But how similar are we? Dr Neve Roach is a bat biologist with Bat Conservation Ireland
6: actually very similar to a human. Chiropter is the Latin name for bats, which means hand wing. And that's because if you see a wing of a bat stretched out, it looks really like a human hand. They've got a long forearm and you can see their elbow the thumb is like a little claw but the rest of the fingers are all really long stretched out and there's skin between them and there's also skin then between the little finger of the bat and its body so if you imagine your own hand stretched out
4: And it's covered by then a membrane, it's kind of a skin
6: Yeah, basically a double layer of skin with blood vessels. Uh, Is it
4: very delicate?
6: Well, so it's delicate as in if a, a cat catches it, it can easily tear the wing membrane but having said that if it gets a small puncture wound they actually heal very quickly. Now they're warm one of the unusual things about bats is the way they can actually adapt their body temperature though depending on weather and prey availability so this is one of the things that bats do they hibernate and they hibernate in places that are generally kind of cool but they let their body temperature go very low their heart slows right down they only pump the blood around the vital organs there wouldn't be much blood pumped into the wings at all when they're hibernating and if you were to look at a bat or touch a bat that's in hibernation, you would actually probably think it's dead because it feels cold. It's not moving. It's not really breathing. Um, and that's how they basically save energy and can last the winter with very little to eat. And
4: where do they hibernate?
6: So we don't know a whole lot about where bats hibernate in Ireland. So it's possible that they're still in kind of crevices in stonework or in insulation and roof spaces. They generally want places that are cool and humid It's possible they're also in uh, tree crevices.
4: But they don't hibernate in houses, in the roofs of houses.
6: Not that we're aware of, certainly not usually in large numbers, but it's something that we just don't know a whole lot about. The reason we don't know is because when they're tucked into crevices, we can't see them. And in other countries, they tend to hibernate in large numbers in cave systems. A lot of the species that we have here would be found in caves in winter in other countries, but here they, they aren't. So we just aren't 100% sure exactly where they go. It's possible that they also, some of them anyway, might migrate to and from Ireland to hibernate.
4: Explain how bats feed.
6: So all Irish bats echolocate. That's basically a long-winded word for saying that they make really high-pitched sounds and then they listen for the echoes to come back. And that gives them information about their surroundings and it also gives them information about the possible prey that might be in the air around them. They send out these really high-pitched sounds and they listen for the sounds that echo or reflect off insects in the air. And it doesn't just give them information about how far away it is. It also gives them a lot of information about size and shape and whether maybe that insect is flapping its wings or not. It's very detailed information. It's almost really like three-dimensional sound
4: picture that they build up of their surroundings. And it must be constantly changing if insects are flying around.
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, they adjust the sounds that they make depending on whether they're in clutter, you know, if there's loads of branches and things in the way, or if they're in open space. They might make lower pitch sounds if they want the sound to travel further. They might might make slightly more higher pitch sounds if they need a lot of detail. So it's very complicated, actually, you know, and the echoes hit their ears at different times, which gives them a sort of three dimensional
4: triangulation of, yeah, yeah, mm. of what's going on. How successful is this procedure then?
6: Well, obviously very successful. They do pretty well. You know, they're able to feed and they're able to reproduce. So it obviously works. And as far as we know from the fossil record, the bats that have been found that are 50 million years old or thereabouts, they
4: could echolocate also, as far as we can tell. So they send out this high pitched sound. It strikes the insect Mm -hmm. and then it bounces back.
6: Yeah, that's basically what happens. And then what does the bat do? So the bat will adjust its trajectory depending on where the insect is. And as it's coming in to the insect, it will produce a sound, what we call a feeding buzz. And that gives them exactly the information they need to target and hone in and catch that insect.
4: And it catches the insect then on the wing?
6: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it catches it straight into the mouth or it may catch it in its tail membranes. Bats can curl their feet the opposite direction to us. Right. So they can curl their tail membrane and feet up and catch a a large insect there and then go and hang up somewhere to eat it, maybe on a feeding perch. And sometimes they discard the wings. So if it's something like a large moth, they might discard the wings and just eat the body.
4: So they don't always feed while they're flying. They sometimes take it back to a perch, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what that larger prey is, it?
6: Yeah, usually larger prey. And you would see sometimes in a spot where they've been hanging during the night, uh, you'd see the discarded insect wings, like they might be uh, yellow wonderwing moth wings or beetle elytra, you know, the hard. A bit uh,
4: like barn owl pellets underneath.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little indicative uh, (laughs) records of, of what's been around.
4: Bats share a number of traits with us humans but they also differ in many ways. They certainly look different from us and it's probably their looks and also the stories that have abounded over centuries that have led to them being seen in a less favoured light.
7: Bat Conservation Ireland do bat handling and identification training courses so it's part of what I give from that course that I'm going to give as a presentation today.
4: Bat biologists like Dr Tina Ockney spend a lot of time informing the public of the true nature and the importance of bats to the environment. I caught up with Tina just before she addressed a group of wildlife rehabilitators in County Meath.
7: Well, we have some dead specimens, yes. yes. (laughs) I am a licensed person to have such, but I do have a number of dead specimens. Just to show people, because often people don't see bats, and when they actually see the size of them, they're amazed by how such small mammals they are.
4: They are tiny, aren't they? Yes, they are. you have them here, and the wings are open, so they look a lot bigger. But imagining that the wings are closed, they're smaller than a mouse, some of those.
7: They are. Like the pipistrella, our most common bat species, would be smaller than the tongue on yeah. your hand while our largest bot species the lyser's bat, is no bigger than your middle finger Like can fit nice and snugly into the palm of your hand but of course because these are nocturnal mammals flying around at night time our imagination goes a little bit wild and we think these are much bigger creatures than they are but they're, they're only about 28-32 centimetres long wingspan Flitting around during the hours and night, but they're small mammals, no harm at all. They're just insect-eating animals, and they're they're the insectivores of the night.
4: And do many people come across these, maybe injured or find them on the ground, maybe
7: tired or cold? They do, especially with the way the weather's been, and uh, it's been very turbulent for the last few weeks. We do get a lot of calls of grounded bats. So once a bat's on the ground, we call it a grounded bat. And the thing is, bats fall into flight so they're designed for that so they're, when they're coming out of the roost if you're ever at a roost you'll see that they, they'll fall for about one or two feet and then they fly a bit like a swift yes exactly so the thing is once a bat goes, is landed on the ground either being hit to the ground by a, a sudden gust of wind or if it's a very heavy rain shower bats are not very good at flying in rain showers so they can end up on the ground and not if they're anyway weakened they can't jump back into flight mm-hmm. so a bat on the ground needs our help so we do encourage people kind of like, with a pair of gloves or a tea coat, gently pick that bat up. If it's during the daytime, put it into a shoebox, let it dry out, let it get its, its space. Offer it a wee bit of uh, sugar water. If you have tin dog food or tin cat food, you can offer a wee bit of that. And when it comes to dusk, you can release it. And we have all this on our website. We have a section on grounded bats, a wee video to help you how to release it, and lots of information about what to do and how to help a grounded bat.
4: People are becoming more aware of these flying mammals but they are still cautious. Annette Lanigan from County Kilkenny realised that she had bats in her attic and wanting to find out more she got in touch with Mooney Goes Wild. So on a fine summer's evening in July of 2022 I headed to Kilkenny with my trusted bat detector in hand, a device used to detect the presence of bats by converting their echolocation ultrasound signals to audible frequencies.
8: There's one even now, Terry.
4: I can hear him there on the detector.
8: Yeah, he's gone.
4: And he's gone. Look, He's, he's to have the gone, yeah. It's not quite dark yet, so we can actually see him, and he's zigzagging across the field there. Yeah. It looks like he, he's getting insects there already. Yeah. So he's one of your bats. Tell us your story, Annette.
8: Well, I was out here one evening doing some exercises, and...
4: There's j- another one just gone as you were yeah, talking? Yeah,
8: there's another one, yeah. And I just happened to look up, and I saw something hovering up there to get into the house, and... I didn't pay much attention. I thought it was a bird or something. And then I looked again and I saw another one. Yeah. And I said, "Jesus, there's something
4: different. there. Yeah, and as you speak, there's a third yeah, one staff yeah. after going out there. Now, I'm just going to turn this off here. How many do you think you have here in the house?
8: Well, I came out the evening after I first saw them and I counted them and I had 19 at that stage.
4: Right. And we can still see them flying out here. Yeah. That's four and five. There's five of them now left.
8: Yeah. And I seen them flying around, but I didn't actually know they were residing with me, but they are.
4: And are you a little worried about it?
8: I am. I'm a little worried about it. Just oh. in case they might do any damage in the attic or in the water
4: or whatever. What do the family think?
8: Uh, they're not very fine. No. I don't know. You know, they don't think it's a good idea. No, and what happened. about
4: the children or the grandchildren when they come? No, they don't uh, like to see it. No, 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 no. 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 And all the good that they do.
8: Yeah. Well, they don't see it that way, I suppose. <laughs> well, getting rid of all those midges. And
4: they're, yeah. they're beautiful. To look. look at those ones there. They're still yeah. flying yeah. around. Is it, do you think it's beautiful to look at that?
8: Yeah, it is beautiful, yes. To make those movements. and.
4: But not inside the house?
8: No, not in the house. So in another week or so, they'll be gone? They'll be gone. There'll be no trace of them. <laughs> Will you miss them? ah. <laughs> uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy them for the last couple will, of weeks. Yeah, here. and at least I'm after helping, giving them my attitude
4: With increasing awareness for our flying mammals, more and more people are coming across injured bats. But what can be done for them?
0: Okay, Terry, come on, and I'll bring you into the bat hospital.
4: Right. In 2021, Bat Rehabilitation Ireland opened a dedicated bat hospital in brewery county limerick it's not a bat hospital it's a bat cave it says here on the ground it's the bat
0: hospital around here
4: (laughs) oh it's lovely i must say it's it's very very clean and it's very very modern
0: thank you very much and
4: and when i see the first things i see are just a a number of different what look like incubators
0: these are brooders and the brooders are vital to um, the bats that come in Bats are going to have to be warmed up before we can examine and treat them, and they have to be nice and warm before we can give
4: them any fluids or food. Okay, so initially, when a bat comes to you, the first thing that happens is it goes into one of these brooders.
0: Yes, yeah, so we bring. And are, are there any
4: bats in the brooders? There we the do. Moment?
0: We have at the moment. We have a little common pipistrelle.
4: So you, there's a glass last door on the night. outside that you're opening but there's cloth mesh that we can look into. So
0: the cloth mesh um, enclosures are uh, to help n- that we don't have any escapes basically. Right,
4: okay. These yeah. guys
0: can get in and out of tiny spaces.
4: I'm just going to move back a bit because I can hear the hum on it and I know you don't need, want to turn it off because uh, it, it's warming it up. I can see nice so the little back. So I can room. see
0: him up here. So he um, just arrived last night yeah. and he was found by a lady in Clarny who was nice enough to come and meet us with him. Uh, he was found in a water trough, so he was completely saturated.
4: Right. Do you so want to close we... that over there, then, close just in up. case he might get out? Yeah.
0: So we brought him. Um, so we brought him up and gave him yeah. a check over, and thankfully he hadn't aspirated any of the water. So um, it looks like he's doing pretty well. He's feeding for himself. So be able to get and him he was
4: found in a trough, so he fell in, I presume.
0: He'd also, he fought, yeah, he'd fallen into the water trough, so he may have been having a drink or he may have just been knocked over into okay. it as well. So
4: Now, as I look around the hospital here, there must be, what, 10 or 15 cages, and all of them are covered. I presume that's to keep them in the dark.
0: It is. It's just to keep them in the dark. We also use blackout blinds as well yeah, for yeah. them to keep them nice and comfortable.
4: And how do they react to humans? How do they react to you?
0: To me, I mean... They all have their own little personalities. Right. So when they come in, they're quite nervous and stressed. So we try to keep them in the dark, keep them nice calm as possible. Um, amazingly, the I minute mean, there's one of them, they're giving out a little bit. Is that what that is. Yeah, he's saying we're nocturnal. <laughs>
8: he's
4: looking, looking
0: for sleep. He?
4: Yeah, he's looking for his sleep. So this is oh they they. they. They certainly get into the dark, don't they?
0: They
4: do. And we, we provide them the with back. nice little roosting
0: spots there. So that again, is this is a little soprano pipe, So you yeah, can see how tiny. One. Now yeah. just to give
4: someone an idea, it's smaller than or about the same size as a box of matches.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So we're talking only this little fella is about five and a half grams.
4: And when will he be ready to go?
0: So we let him build up another little bit of weight. So he may be about six and a half grams. He'll be ready to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll have some of the volunteers meet us and bring him on his merry way.
4: Now of the hundred or so bats that you've had in this year, what's the most common injury or, or why are they appearing here?
0: Okay, so the most common injury we have are cat attacks. Cats are out there at night and they're very smart. They're out there at night, they're watching the bats um, coming out of their roosts And they're grabbing them on the way out. So Uh, we'll have them come in that have had injuries from cats. So shredded wings and all of these bats, once they've been attacked by a cat, they need to be treated with antibiotics.
4: And what's the success rate from here?
0: Out of the 116 bats that we have had in, we have 12 here and we have released 75.
4: That's really good.
0: Absolutely. We're very proud of that. We're also, we have a large outdoor flight facility here and the flight facility is vital to the rehabilitation of bats. Right, can we go
4: and have a look yeah. at it? Yeah, let's have a look. So we're just moving out of the hospital, and we're moving out in here to the garden. I must say, very, very well-kept. Everything is so well-kept here. Thank you,
0: and this Hi is the facility, family.
4: I presume, we're coming up to it here now. This is so it.
0: So this is the bat flight. Um, As you can see, it's completely secure. Again, these tiny little guys can get out of anywhere.
4: So Um, it's it's, it's a wooden structure with a kind of a a very fine mesh on it.
0: That's it. Um, So what you
4: do is then is when the bats are ready to, to fly again, you bring them out here. Yes. And you train them here, so to speak.
0: That's it. So we bring them in here, we get them flight fit again. Now, this is really a vital part of the rehabilitation of bat pups. Because bat puppies are coming into us, they're only a couple of days old, so they've never actually experienced the wild. So they need to come out here, uh, acclimatise. They also have access to the bat boxes that we place inside, which is teaching them them to To, find suitable roosting areas.
4: Exactly. Yeah.
0: But the other part of it is, they need to learn to fly, they need to learn to use their echolocation, which is going to help them to catch their prey. And they need to be able to forage on insects themselves. So all the studies have shown that bats and bat pups that are given access to an outdoor flight like this have a much higher success rate of survival in the wild.
4: Although some bats do end up in trouble and are carefully rehabilitated by Susan and her team, there are many roosts throughout the country that are thriving.
9: Now, Terry, just have a look up there behind you and you'll see where our lovely
4: bats live. Well, I don't see where they live, but I can see all that dirt on the wall. That's the guano.
9: Yes, it is. And there's plenty of guano yeah. because we have plenty of bats in our attic.
4: One such nursery roost is in Camross in County Leash, where another Mooney Goes Wild listener, Kerry McGlynn-Redmond, lives with her family and a family of bats.
9: Well, the last count was 727.
4: 727 bats in this house.
9: Correct and right, 727 bats in our attic.
4: How did you manage to count that number?
9: With a lot of um, patience and we sat at different points of the house and we all had a job to count them. But I suppose what's helpful is the bats come out in threes. So you can kind they, of... They come out in threes? They I seem to come that. out in threes. That's what we've noticed over the last few years is that they come out in threes and it's kind of easier to count them in that way then, do you know?
4: And how long would it take them to get out?
9: Oh, that's maybe about an hour and a half, would it, Shay? An
3: hour, about an hour, hour, hour and a half, yeah. And, and do you do you think this is a maternity roost, you said yeah. We
9: do, we do believe so, because we've done some reading and research into bats. And as I said, um, when chatting to you earlier, our first year here, when we moved in, we counted maybe about 250-ish mm-hmm. bats. And then the following year, there was touching 400. And this year, there was less coming, and by the end of... August there was more leaving so when we did some research and kind of looked up things we it was sort of uh, I suppose observed that it would be a maternity roost here. Now they've all gone? They've all gone. Our last evening I suppose that we looked at them would have been maybe around the 10th of August thereabouts Mm -hmm. but they usually come when do they come Shay? Probably the end of June is it?
3: June. You'd have them in June and be gone around They're all of July
9: and around the first or second week in August they're usually gone
4: Now, when they leave the house every night, what do they do? Do they hang around the area? Because looking around you, you're surrounded by woodland, but you have a lovely open part here in the garden.
9: Thank you, we do. So usually when they come out from the gable end, they will go for those trees there Mm -hmm. right behind you. And the bats that come from the chimneys usually go across the road to the trees across the road. And the bats that come from the far chimney will go over to our far left here, to where the sort of the bog and
4: the other end of the forest is. So your bungalow here has openings, so to speak, on
3: three sides. Correct. And then what time do they come back at? Ah.
9: About half, five, about five o'clock, would it if
3: be? If I come out at night time, bring out the dogs before, you know, uh, you come around here and you light, turn on that light there. You can see him. In over, and back, over and back the whole time. So they're staying in the no, area? No, they're yeah. staying in the area. They're here, from the time they come out, they're staying in the area. They're yeah. over and back, over and back. And about a week before they left, it was, at night time here, it was covered with bats. Mm-hmm. Well they are very good. I mean people have this opinion
4: that bats they the friends get caught in your hair. Oh That's not at all. Not at all. Nothing not at good. all. They
9: wouldn't they wouldn't harm or hurt you. At all. You, not at all. Never come near you. No no no. You, they might like tip into you would be sitting in the sitting room watching telly mm. and the other week my daughter said oh mammy, look there's a bat crawling across the ro- floor. So yeah. you just get up and you get the bat and you take it out and put it in you know up near a tree and they're grand. Yeah. People say they're mice with wings. Not at all. They're right. tiny. Yeah. Like they people think they're big. But they're not. They're teeny tiny, aren't they? Shay? Yeah, I think you're probably pipistrels is what yes, you have. Yes, 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 it is what we have, you know. But they're tiny little bats.
4: now. And, and people have this opinion too, or some people would have this opinion that they suck blood they don't actually not suck at your blood. all no yeah. <laughs> no so no, you no. have no worries no, along no, those lines not whatsoever. at all they wouldn't yeah, harm you totally
9: at all all, all they're are interested are in is the insects really exactly I was going to ask you
4: <laughs> if you have 700 bats here and they're eating something like a thousand insects a night they must be wiping out all the midges of the area well
9: you'd like to think so but as again because we're surrounded by trees we would have a good few midges yeah
4: but
3: yeah. we don't have moths we don't have that stuff and when they are here we don't have that. we could leave on all them lights we don't have them come into the house the moths around like that So they are doing something like that. You know, they're getting to the insects. You know, they're getting to the insects.
9: The kids to be amazed. And we do have like bat counting parties here. And um, we'd sit out and, you know, you'd sit out, have a barbecue. And we'd all sit there at nine o'clock and we'd be counting the bats. How many bats are leaving the roost, you know. And it's a competition between our house and the, the property across the road who also... Um, had an issue with bats as to who has the most but we've won year on year <laughs> always. Yeah. always you're up now to 700 plus <laughs> 727 at last I count Yeah, it. just like yeah. the aeroplane the yeah. 727 yeah, the yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> can you hear them because at my age now I can't hear them unless I'm using a detector I'm I sure that the kids can hear it but can yeah, you hear oh, them oh you can hear them clearly
9: when they're coming when they're, out they're, yeah
3: yeah, yeah. before they come out before they come out you'll you'll hear this high pitched sound will you yeah yeah you'll hear from each one will make this high pitch, and then they'll just come out and then you'll know there's more coming behind them a high pitched sound you'll know you can't mistake it you'll hear it if you were standing there and they were coming out around nine or half 9 and a half you'd hear it no bother at all they
9: queue up it's almost like they're in a queue to get out and they're getting really excited going off on your holidays absolutely and they're getting all excited just before they leave the roost and you'll hear them and you know when the noise starts to die down that you're nearly at the end of them yeah you know that they've nearly but people think that bats go and they don't come back but as Shay said they're in and out all night long <clears throat> they're so in they, and out they, to the roost they all they night long they
4: don't just go out at 9 o'clock at night and and no, come oh back no they're it. in and out oh, all night long
9: right. because the shifts I work and, and as Shay was saying we'd be out late at night and when I'm leaving to go to work at quarter past 5 in the morning you'd see them coming in and out and in and out so they, they enter and exit from the same point
3: okay. do you know what I mean
4: and <clears> with <throat> hundreds of them do they ever crash
3: no, I've ne- never, never seen never seen, never, plane, never seen one on the ground. Never no. seen one anywhere around here. Never. No, anywhere. You can see at night time when around, when you come out, they'd be flying around, hundreds of yeah. them flying around, and they'd be missing each other completely. Yeah. Just. Well, like, so oh, that is it is.
9: They really go so fast.
3: As
4: you said earlier on, you're in a lovely spot here in the <clears> country. You've got lots of wildlife Yes. and you have the bats, which most people yes. don't yes. have. Yeah. And you don't want to get rid of them. No,
9: we don't want to get rid of them by any manner of means. No. We want to protect them because, you know, it's, it's your heritage, isn't it? It's your yeah. wildlife.
4: Not only are more people now aware of bats and their benefits, they are also willing to become involved in citizen science projects to help conserve them. One such project is Bats and Bugs, run by Bat Conservation Ireland and University College Dublin. Dr. Neve Roach.
6: With that project, we asked people who are custodians of bat roosts, who might know that they have bat roosts, for example, in their attic or in an outbuilding, to register with us, and we sent them sampling kits. Um, And that allowed them to safely sample bat droppings from their roost. They sent it back to University College Dublin and UCD have analysed those droppings to see what DNA is in them. So that's the DNA of the bats and also of the insects that the bats were
4: eating. So you can tell for definite what species of bat it is, but more importantly, probably, you can tell what they're actually eating.
6: Yeah, yeah. So it's been really difficult until now to try and figure out exactly what bats have been eating. So... Some researchers would have spent a lot of time in front of a microscope, basically with bat droppings, breaking them up and trying to identify the tiny little bits of insects that were in there and to tell what the bats have been eating. But now with new DNA techniques, researchers can l- take something like a bat dropping and use DNA metabar coding and find out exactly what species are in the bat droppings. And so from that, we can tell a lot more. We can, we can get down to species level you know with when we were looking at, under microscopes you could really only get to kind of family maybe or uh, what insect order or genus or yeah, something yeah genus else. yeah yeah we were in now you can get much more detail down to species down to the type of mosquito for example and find that we have new species of insects in Ireland that we didn't even know about
4: and I suppose as well because the sample that's sent into you will have DNA of the bat that actually ate this insect so yep. you can say for definite this bat let's say it's a pipistrelle, yep. has eaten this particular midge yes
6: yes exactly
4: tell me a little bit then about the sample pack that you sent out to the volunteers
6: so it was very simple. It had some PPE in it. It had a mask, it had some gloves, it had tweezers. So that was so people would safely handle the bat poo. They didn't have to touch it at all. It had little Eppendorf tubes, you know, those little scientific plastic tubes with a lid on them. And they had silica beads in them and the silica beads were to make sure that the the bat poo stayed really dry we gave them free post envelopes so once they had collected the bat poo on newspaper again they didn't have to touch it at all they just posted it into UCD where it was stuck straight into the freezer to freeze all of that precious information.
4: And how many samples were sent, Blank?
6: Uh, we had about 120 sites sampled around Ireland all across Ireland, north, south,
4: east, west. Were you surprised then with the results you got from it?
6: In terms of interest?
4: Uh, yes, number one and, and secondly after, the, after you analysed them.
6: No, I wasn't really that surprised in the interest because, you know, we've been running volunteer schemes at Bat Conservation Ireland and every year there's about 400, 500 people who volunteer on our schemes during the summer. So we knew that there's an interest in there and we know that people who have bats are often very interested in their conservation and finding out what species they are and this was a way for people to identify them so they're getting lots of information now from ucd about exactly what species are in that roost what they've been eating so there's lots of information in it for people
4: well from the results then were you surprised by any of them
6: um well loads of stuff so we found that yes yeah, so different species tend to consume different things long-eared bats would tend to have a lot more say um, moths in their diet
4: and is that because they're larger bats
6: Well, it's probably a combination of things. They are larger also where they're flying and what prey they're, you know, what their echolocation calls are more adapted to that kind of prey. Also, we found some interesting things that imply that our bats perform important ecosystem services. So in the first batch of bat droppings that we looked at, over 50% of the bats had eaten Crane flies. So crane flies, most people probably already know them. They're daddy long legs and they lay their eggs in soil and the eggs, they grow into larvae called leather jackets, which then consume various things. They can eat grass, they can eat uh, vegetables, winter barley. Um, So they're quite significant pests and there's currently, chemically, there's no way to control Crane fly, larvae, leather jackets. There's no approved pesticide. So we actually have found that bats are performing some functions for us.
4: Citizen science does indeed produce useful scientific information. In this case, the discovery of the biological control of leather jackets by bats. But there is so much more to learn. And another relatively new method of gleaning information is by ringing bats. A process similar to bird ringing. Susan Kerwin from Bat Rehabilitation Ireland.
0: Um, it's actually not a new process, but this project is the first of its kind in Ireland. We're covering eight of the nine species that we have here that are native in our in Ireland. So it is it's a it's a very new project
4: and you get literally hundreds of bats in here every year is it the intention for the future that you're going to ring all of them
0: yes so all bats that will leave here that have been rehabilitated will be rung um, the only bat species that we won't be ringing are the lesser horseshoe bats and, and, and why is that they're quite a delicate species so you know we we they don't do well in captivity they don't do well in rehabilitation so we don't want to add any extra stress to them at all
4: so this bat here is one of four that you're going to release tonight yes. but you're going to ring some for me now in a minute but these were ringed a couple of days ago why is that
0: we put the ring on the bat at least a week before it's released we want to make sure that the bat is tolerating the ring and it's not causing them any stress at all it's a very very light metal. The bat after a couple of days doesn't realize that it's on them. They're all, but as I said, we want to make sure that they tolerate it and they can go on to live a happy wildlife with the ring.
4: And there's no stress from this ring at all for, this, no, for the bat. No,
0: no, and it's not enclosed. There's a slight lip that's open on it so yeah, it can move it freely yeah. up and down the wing it won't and catch it's not anything, pinching. It? No. It's not pinching the membrane. Now, this is why we had to be trained to apply these rings and we had to have a license to do it. Because there is a slight lip on the ring, we want it has to be closed just enough that it can slide freely up and down, but it's not going to catch the rest of the finger bones as they close.
4: Yeah, it's it's lovely to look at the wing there, just as you open it out, and I must say the animal is totally relaxed, and it's a beautiful wing. You can see the actual what look like the fingers going through it, and then on the top of it is this ring.
0: Yes, so you can see that the finger bones there, the elongated finger bones as we open it out. And then this little claw at the top would be the equivalent to our thumb. And then you can see that it's very heavily venated as well, so... Beautiful wings.
4: So later on this evening, we're going to let this guy and his three partners go, his three friends go. But what you're going to do now is you're going to actually ring some more.
0: I want to ring some more here. So what we're going to do is we're going to ring a Lysler's bat.
4: A Lysler's bat. So Lyslers
0: are the largest species of bat that we have here in Ireland. So the ring that we use will be larger than the ring that
4: we would use for the pipistrels. They're very similar to the bird ringer's rings because I've often been out with bird ringers and it's just like that on a kind of a, a cable and you can see the rings then. what well, must be, what, a hundred on that, is there? There is. Okay, well, let's get back then to the ringing now. So you have this ring here. You're going to take one of these rings off. So we take the ring off. So what I'm going to do here... So I'm going to take it off... So i just
0: slide it off this plastic tube that we keep to hold them in. And as you can see there, I have a list of all of the details that I take from the bat as I'm ringing it.
4: So you have the computer open here and you have all the details of this particular bat that you're going to ring now
0: yes so we'll have we'll check the number again um, and you can see there 609 and then we have the IRL at the top so we'll log that number it's a male uh, he's an adult so we log that in and then we'll take a measurement so we'll take a measurement from the forearm we'll register his weight and then what we'll do here is we keep the origin of location and once he's released we'll collect the coordinates and then that's stored and we share that then with national parks and wildlife services as part of our
4: licensing okay and where is the, the bat where is he himself i can't
0: okay so
4: he's up here in, a, in another cage so this little
0: fella here is an adult he came in okay. he was found in um a Christmas decoration box, would you believe? Really? Which is quite strange, but we get them from all sorts.
4: He's and his mouth is open there. God, they've got a very big mouth. They didn't realise it in relation to the size of the body.
0: You can see why we wear the gloves. very, yeah. very important. And we just slide. are so just
4: sliding it on.
0: And then we'll give it. Just
4: using your fingers then to.
0: Give it a good squeeze. And as you can see, there's just a slight lip. Right. There.
4: I so can hear him there. Listen.
0: He's clicking away. There you go. He's been very well behaved, and that's it. I can actually
4: hear that clicking without using a bat detector. So this little fella now is wrong. So it's done and dusted. There, less than a minute. That's it. And the ring there, I can see it. We call it a ring, but strictly speaking, it doesn't close over completely. It's more like a horseshoe.
0: That's it, and it's not. It doesn't penetrate that wing membrane at all. Yeah. There
4: you go. And with that. Another bat was successfully ringed for release. We are very familiar with bat hibernation, but with the help of bat ringing programmes on the continent, we now know that at least one species of bat migrates before it hibernates. Dr Tina Ockney.
7: Yes, bats do um, hibernate, but they also will migrate in mainland Europe to hibernation sites from their summer residence sites. While bats in Ireland, traditionally we would see them as a truly hibernation species. We don't know if there are migratory bats in Ireland, but it's something that we're actually looking into because of the Nortusius pipistrelle turning up in Ireland since the mid-1990s. That's the
4: most recently discovered bat in Ireland.
7: It is, yes. An enthusiast is our most recently discovered bat. It was first discovered in the mid-1990s by John Ross, who was a student at the time in Queen's University. And since then, it has been found that there is a stronghold of this particular species around Loch Ney, particularly in County Antrim. And there's been some maternity roosts actually discovered in that area as well. While in the Republic of Ireland, slowly we're getting an enthusiast has been picked up across the whole of the island but we haven't found any maternity colonies as of yet.
4: Now this particular species on the continent they do migrate?
7: Yes they are known for the migration. They have been been documented as the longest migratory species. And where do they migrate to and from? Well traditionally they're migrating from Eastern Europe along the border of Russia in a a south-east direction towards the Iberian Peninsula Peninsula of Spain and Portugal and generally when when they're migrating we notice that there's a large migratory route around the end of summer and the longest migratory route has been documented through banding or ringing of bats from Latvia all the way to Spain a total of 2,224 kilometres was documented from a single bat and how was this migration discovered? There is a, a, a bird station in Latvia, and it's a large ringing station for birds, uh, due to migratory birds going passing through this part of Latvia, and a note was while they were actually ringing and catching birds there was a large volume of bats turning up so a programme started where they actually started ringing these bats and it turned out they were Nartusis pipistrels so a massive ringing programme was started and repeated again in 2014 and as a result bats that had rings on them were turning up all across Europe and uh, that literally sparked the interest that these are very very long-ranging migratory bats
4: Research on Nethusius pipistrelle bats in Ireland is now underway and it is hoped that more information on this species can be obtained. Ben Quinn from Bat Conservation Ireland has been catching and tagging these bats here since 2018. Now Ben, that's one just after going through there. We are at Killishandra Lake here in County Cavan.
10: And you have the distinction of being the first person to discover the Natusius Pipistrel here. Well, at this particular location, yes. They've been found, obviously, elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, it was. I just happened to be down here in preparation for a talk I was going to be giving later on to a group of people here in Killishandra town. And I came down to the town lake just looking for a suitable location to come out with the group after the talk. Usually we do that to try and bring them somewhere that they can see the bat detectors in action and get to hear and maybe even see a few bats. Mm-hmm. So I came down here in advance of the talk and switched on my bat detector and I just this huge cacophony of, of bats. It was a bit overwhelming at first, but fortunately I had recently purchased a small bat detector that actually gave a graphic representation, showed a sonogram. So with that I was able to, to start to resolve it itself out into three different species. The first two would be what I was expecting to see, the common pipistrelle, the soprano pipistrelle, and then the odd doventus bat flying through on the water. Uh, But I was also getting large numbers of calls down at a much lower frequency, which would be indicative of the nethusius pipistrelle. And I could hardly believe myself, they're here in significant numbers, and probably numbers that allowed the uh, the trapping to take place then with them.
4: Well, tell us a little Mm. bit about the trapping, because I'm interested in their
10: migration, uh, 2018 was the first year that we we trapped um, as i say it's particularly suitable location because there is bankside vegetation and with gaps in the vegetation so what would happen is the trap would be set up in a gap between the vegetation the bats then being curious to know what's going on would actually fly in through the gap get caught in the harp trap drop down into the trap we pick them out and then tag them
4: We heard about the establishment of a bat hospital in County Limerick in 2021. But for the past decade, there's been a bat lab in operation on the UCD campus in Dublin.
7: Bats
1: potentially hold the key to extended health span. So bats live way longer than expected given their body size.
4: Professor Emma Teeling has been running the bat lab for many years now and various research programmes are undertaken by her team. One of these is looking at ageing in bats and how this research may be of benefit to humans.
1: Bats have ways to slow down ageing, ways to not get cancer. If you study bats, you can understand how a mammal can do that. But the other unique thing that bats have, and we're all aware of bats and viruses due to the pandemic, is that bats have evolved a very, very unique immune system that allows them live with and tolerate viruses that typically make other mammals and us very, very sick. So the question that I'm asking is, how can bats do this? What biological mechanisms have they evolved to also allow them tolerate these viruses? So bats are able to resist the damage of living, which essentially is aging. And they're also able to resist the damage of disease, not get disease when they're infected. And Right now, the work that we're doing in my lab is we're looking at bats' genomes. We're studying wild bats. We're looking at their DNA. We're looking at how they can do this at the genetic level.
4: So you've been doing this study then for 10 years. Can you tell us some of the results?
1: This study, it's a pretty cool study. The question that we asked was, how do bats age? What happens to bats as they age? So if you want to try and look at the biological changes that occur in species, if you want to study aging at the biological level, what you have to be able to do is sample an individual when they're born and sample, biologically sample them throughout their life and look at certain markers of aging and see how does it change. Now, the problem with this is that if you want to study bats in an aging context, it's extremely difficult. You need to be able to find a population of bats that you know the age of. You need to find a population of bats that you can sample every single year. So I was very lucky. I got this European Research Grant, which is like winning the Science Olympics. I was very happy about this. And it's a high-risk, high-gain project. And people believed that we would be able to develop the methods to studying wild bats in an aging context. To do this, what we do is we go to France, beautiful Brittany, every single year. And we work with this grassroots conservation organization, Britannia Vivante. And what Britannia Vivante have been doing is they have been studying this large colony of these myotis myotis bats, these greater mouse-eared bats. They caught the entire population and they tagged them and they put little transponders in them. And what this meant was that when we recut those individuals, so the whole colony was cut in 2010, if a baby was tagged in 2010... If we recaptured this individual in 2020, and we know it's the same individual because it has a microchip, we know that individual is 10 years of age. So we were very, very lucky that Bertrand Vivant had been capturing and studying these animals um, and this population in France, and that these were these myotis bats, the longest lived genus of bats.
4: Well, why are the bats then living so long?
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant, that's another very brilliant question. First of all, how are they aging and why are they living so long? We looked at telomeres. So these are these protective caps on the ends of your chromosomes that shorten every time your cell replicates.
4: These telomeres, they're a bit like the, the, the plastic on the end of shoelaces.
1: Yes, they're like your aglets. Yes. That's exactly what they're like. So we were really interested Well, what goes on with these bats. Do they have ways of maintaining these telomeres? Do they have really long telomeres? What do they do? And we looked at young, middle-aged and old bats. We knew how old they were in these long-lived myotis bats in France. And what we found was extraordinary. In these long-lived bats, telomeres do not shorten with age. So this means that these long-lived species, they've evolved ways to be able to maintain their telomeres. The way I see it, once we work out what the bats have evolved and what biological mechanisms they're employing to allow them slow down aging, to have longer health spans, we can then go and drug- those pathways within humans to achieve the same effect. That's ultimately where we could go with this. So I'll give so you... what you're
4: talking about is increased length of life for humans.
1: I'm talking increased health span, not length of life, increased quality of life. Aging is a disease. It's a disease of the side effects of living. If you can understand and work out what drives all of these changes, then we can slow it down. Why would we not?
4: So the studies that you're doing here ultimately will lead to improvements in health for humans.
1: Yes, I think that's where we're going to go with this. We, first of all, are going to get a much better understanding of aging. How does it happen? What's going on? We'll get a much better understanding of immune responses. How does the immune system work? But ultimately, I do believe that finding how bats can respond to the challenges of living with a high metabolic rate will give us insights on what we need to do to modify it. Things are moving quickly in this field.
4: It's a really exciting field.
1: It's a really, really exciting field. So we've spent a decade working out what the bats are doing. We're looking at the longest lived and the shortest lived bats seeing can we target the difference. We're then going to go and look at all of these potential regulators of anti-aging and regulators of novel immune tolerance we need to go and validate those in the lab. So we're, we're taking bits of bat wing and we're growing cells. We're making these cellular systems to show that our regulators do what we think they do. But eventually what we need to do then is to knock them into the likes of C. elegans and show that it actually has an ageing effect. And then we can make the drugs. So we're working on it all.
4: It's amazing to think that by studying bats, we may be able to increase not just length of life in humans, but more importantly, quality of life. Imagine living to over 100 years of age and not to be dogged by disease and cancer. This is the research that Emma and her team are undertaking, and all with the help of bats.
0: So mind your foot here.
4: Okay, and... You have the bats. There are four of them in the so bag, we, is that right?
0: So, yeah. So it, this is where they were found. They were found only a couple of hundred yards away. We're just standing in the grounds of Ballygreehan Castle, just based outside Bruff. Okay,
4: I'm back dark, with Susan Kerwin in County Limerick for the release of four rehabilitated and tagged bats.
0: I want to release them just before darkness and it'll just give me an idea of where they're heading off to now. OK. Um,
4: are they excited do you think?
0: I, they're quite lively inside in okay. here so this is the time of the evening where they would be getting ready to, to
4: venture out to do some foraging anyway so okay. And these four, these are the four that we saw earlier on, they were ringed last week
0: they were so okay. we placed the rings on them last week and they've tolerated them fine. There's no issue at all, so I'm happy now for them to go back.
4: Okay, well let's. I leave you to it. Well, I won't leave you to it. I'll stand beside you and watch you, but I won't interrupt. Okay. You. so No problem. So what you're doing there is you just gone to the bag. You're opening the bag. You're taking out. And so I'm a, just
0: going to pull out this little cloth, yeah, which they're all hiding inside, and I'm going to hold it right up into the air. Okay. And I'll Give him a minute. Oh, there's one. There's already. one gone.
4: Yeah, there's a second gone. I'm just watching those two. They fly over, third one's gone. I see the third one's gone now. There's one still on the piece of cloth. There's always one, isn't there? I've lost sight of two of them. I can see one of them. It's just flown up there really high and just gone behind. that. There's the last one gone now as well. Just, so the, the four of them are gone.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, that, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. They're happy can, now. Can you back. see
4: any of the four there now? Because I've, no. I've lost sight of no. them all.
0: No, I can't see them. They're gone. That's it, they're how, gone.
4: How do you feel now? How long have you got those four bats?
0: So they've been in with us just over six weeks.
4: And now they're gone within 10, ten, fifteen seconds you've lost sight of them completely.
0: I'm delighted to see them go. Uh, no. The night before I released them, I'm always nervous because... You know you do get attached and you're you're very invested in there
4: i must say you looked very relaxed earlier on there ringing them you had no worries or hesitations whatsoever and the animals look very relaxed
0: well unfortunately terry i get lots of practice we're yeah. always always very busy yeah. but it's something that i love doing and i spend a lot of time in. i'm invested in it now so it's great to see it
4: so these four have now gone mm-hmm. tomorrow Back to work again. Tomorrow we'll have some more in.
0: I have a meeting this evening in Bunratty to collect another little bat that was found. So unfortunately, as fast as they go, they come back in again.
4: And with that, four young bats get a second chance at life. We humans are now looking at nature and the environment in a more positive manner. No longer is the bat something to be feared. Bats play an important role in the ecosystem But it goes further than that. The research being undertaken by Emma Teeling and other scientists is unlocking secrets that will ultimately help us as a species. I might not live to be a 100, but maybe my children or grandchildren will.